Hello and welcome back to another episode of Landed in LA. I'm your host, Michaela, aka Bella Kella, aka Michaela the Great. I am here with Landed in LA talking with entertainment industry professionals and specifically millennials in the industry about their experiences. What's up, guys? I gotta say, I've been up to so much. There's so much going on. We have such a fun episode today. One of my good friends is joining me, and we're gonna get into that in a little bit. But first, I'm just gonna talk about some stuff that's been going on, some fun things and some interesting things. But first, I wanna make sure that we send our prayers out to Tiger Woods because as everyone knows, he was in a really horrific car accident here in Southern California. And just wanna extend good thoughts and good vibrations and prayers out to him and his family and wishing him a healthy recovery because that was such crazy, crazy news. And it's always good to just wish people well and put positive vibrations out into the world. So Tiger Woods, we are glad that you are alive and we will continue to pray for you to recover. So guys, it's been a year since the pandemic started. How crazy is that? I've been working from home for a year now and I feel really grateful and privileged to be doing that. Um, And we all have to continue to stay safe, wear your mask, Keep it up because that is what's helping us. And yeah, working from home is so, so different. It's just crazy to think that a year ago um, or just over a year ago, the world was as it normally was. And now everything is so different. I spend so much quality time with my dog. We go on our daily walks and have fun. We spend so much time together together. I know he's looking at me (laughs) right as I say that. Shout out to him. Shout out to Milo. Um, What else has been going on? The vaccinations are happening here in LA. It'll be a while before um, I am eligible for that, but glad that the vaccinations are happening, getting us a step closer to moving out of the pandemic. What else has been going on? The Museum of Dream Space in Beverly Hills was so much fun, you guys. It was like a whole colorful, light-filled, psychedelic experience. Um, Really cool. I'm actually glad that I went because I didn't know about it until I was told about it. So really cool experience if you guys want to go. And that is not a sponsored statement. I am saying that from the bottom of my heart (laughs) so you should go check it out it's a fun it's a fun outing if you're here in LA and outdoor dining is back open so that's great we can all get out to lunch brunch or dinner little rooftop brunch sesh little EP and LP little fun in the sun (laughs) so that's all good life is getting slowly a little bit kind of something like back to normal so so that's really good those are my few la updates otherwise all is well here guys thank you for joining me again um this is really exciting quickly reminding everyone that this podcast does not contain legal advice and that any information offered in this podcast or any advice 
will not constitute legal advice. That is my quick disclaimer. And let's get into it. I got a song of the episode and I got a theme of the episode. So let's talk about the song. The song of the episode, I am going with Do It by Chloe and Halle. I love that they are Beyonce's protégés. I love that they are sisters. I love that they are sisters. And I love that they have the best music video for it and it's so cute and the mirrors and the colors and the dancing. I just love it. And I'm really excited to see Halle in The Little Mermaid. So that is really exciting. My Disney people know that I can't wait for The Little Mermaid to come out. So shout out to the other Disney fans if anyone's listening. (laughs) So um, really exciting. If you don't like Chloe and Hallie, I don't like you. If you don't like my dog, I don't like you. If you don't laugh at Curb Your Enthusiasm, I'm laughing at you. (laughs) So that shows you where my mind is, guys. (laughs) But yes, to conclude on that piece, song of the episode, do it, Chloe and Hallie. So now on to the theme of the week. The theme is work. See how I did that? Do it and work. It all is connected. So many things in life are connected. So the theme is work. Why? Because nothing real happens without hard work. And if you see something that's real or that you think is real, but you don't think it took hard work, then you, my friend, are seeing an illusion. So that's just a reminder as we go forward in life. Put in work. Don't look back and wish you could see what had happened if you would have given something your best. Just do it now. Put in the work and then go have fun or go have fun and hope it gets done later. I don't know. Do whatever you want. But that's just my advice. So, you know, the theme of the episode is work. And you're going to see that in my conversation coming right up. It is a big theme and it fits so well. So, yeah, that's all I got to say, guys. Let's get right into my conversation with my good friend. I'm going to intro him right now and you guys can listen to what we talked about. Really exciting stuff. Thanks again for tuning in to Landed in LA. And if you are looking to connect with us, if you want to write in with questions, send me some funny Hollywood stories. You know, I love like a good crazy Hollywood story, like a crazy celebrity run in, a crazy sunset strip moment, any of that. Write me at landedinlapod at gmail.com. That's landedinlapod at gmail.com. And um, get in contact with us. So let's get right into it. So I want to welcome our guest. He is a lawyer. He is counsel at Endeavor. And he's also a certified NBA player agent. Jonathan Putu, thank you for joining me. Of course. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Yes, it's it's great to have you here. And how are you? Um, and I know we talked recently, but it had been a while before that. And I just have to reiterate how excited I am for the holidays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah, just like you're saying, it's definitely been a while. Um, and it's been a wild year. Um, so yeah. it's... It's yeah. definitely nice to be towards the end of that year. Um, I'm back home yeah. visiting family. Um, still, you know, maintaining all 
COVID policies and protocols and social distancing and everything, but it's it's something about being home and having a home cooked meal. But more importantly, just being around loved ones um, during this time. I feel like this year has really made us more aware of that. You know, keeping the people around you close, um, cherishing the good times because you really never know um, anything crazy can happen at any moment. So yeah, uh, I'm doing well. I, I can't complain. That that's great, and that's so true. I think it's been such a crazy year, and we we made it to almost the end of 2020, which is great. Almost. And it's taught us a lot. And like you said, it's very important now more than ever to cherish loved ones and family mm. and friends and just enjoy the time that we have because life is so unpredictable. And exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just been crazy. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad to talk with you. I'm glad to have another lawyer on the show. Thank this you. is wonderful. Tell me about what you do at Endeavor and your role. Yeah, so I'm associate counsel at Endeavor um, under the entity WME. So Endeavor is a pretty big uh, conglomerate at this point. Uh, it captures WME, IMG, um, New York Fashion Week, 160 over 90, UFC, PBR. We got a whole bunch of companies. <laughs> um, so I specifically work under uh, WME, William Morris Endeavor Agency, and more so on the entertainment side of things. Uh, we dabble, obviously, in, in sports as well. We represent a lot of sports um, clients uh, on the marketing side and in the entertainment side. So it's more of a crossover. Um, but we're slowly branching into the on-field sports. Uh, in my specific role, I work in the business affairs group uh, in WME, uh, essentially in client services where anytime the agency signs a new client um, across uh, any department, whether it's TV, film, motion picture, um, talent, um, music, personal appearances, I'm the first point of contact. So I'll go ahead and work with uh, the agents and the client's manager, their lawyers, um, or their team in general to kind of help them uh, learn about the agency, learn their expectations, understand the commission structure, understand their legal obligations to us and us to them. And I kind of help out there. Uh, I work on a variety of other agreements as well, um, some consulting agreements. If you will, I'm almost a jack, uh, jack of all trades. <laughs> um, you know, anything related to the client services, it's going to fall within me. You know, I work with some uh, immigration matters here and there. Um, I've done um, some production agreements here and there. So uh, first point of contact whenever we need something um, or anything that kind of falls into that category, that's usually what I'm handling. That's great. Do you have a favorite medium, like TV or film or entertainment or sports side? So, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, I have a sports background, um, certified NBA PA agent. Uh, so I like the sports side. You know, I've worked with uh, some of our agents to kind of sign some of our coaching clients um, and just working with them to kind of understand that side of the industry a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, it's night and day compared to entertainment, um, the way that yeah. the sports world works. Um, so I enjoy that. Uh, the digital side as well. Um, this year it's been wild. Um, yes. The amount of digital clients that we have signed, which you know makes sense given the, the current climate they're in with COVID. Uh, so much is moving to just straight digital. But I never imagined signing or working with Instagram um, personalities and TikTok stars. <laughs> so it's it, wild. It's, it's really it's, wild. It's a wild west. <laughs> it really is. And it's so new. 
So yeah. um, working with them almost in a weird way, creating precedent um, within the, the industry, that's that's been fun. That's exciting. I, I love what you said about creating precedent because that's really what's happening. I mean, these deals yeah. are new. The deal terms mm -hmm. are new. The jargon yeah. <laughs> is new with TikTok and even now with some of the analytics for Instagram and things like that. Um, so that's dope. I mean, I think it's it's really exciting and it's a great way to see the response to the pandemic and how people have been able to keep yeah. working and being creative and, and being entrepreneurs. Um, that's exciting. I want to go back to something you said uh, about the differences between sports and entertainment. What are some of the big differences that you've seen? Yeah, so uh, the biggest difference is uh, the handshake deal doesn't really exist on sports. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything is, is contracted, um, written down in writing, um, and we make sure that we go through that. Um, it didn't always used to be that way, um, but it, nowadays, more so than anything, we're making sure that we get these contracts down. Um, agencies are making sure they're protected, making sure that uh, the clients are aware and honoring their terms. Um, and those situations sometimes actually do get litigated, not as often, um, but it, just the fact that everything is papered versus entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, we encourage it. Uh, we, we definitely encourage having uh, actual agreements, but you do have a lot of handshake deals. And, you know, back in law school, where you know we understood that okay you have your oral contracts and you have your written contracts um and in the oral contracts if there's really nothing written you kind of go off of you know the customs of the industry and industry standard and entertainment there that really does exist where we do have a lot of clients where you know we have a general understanding of what we're getting ourselves into they have an understanding of how we're going to commission and we just kind of go off of that mm -hmm. um and it really is just a, a trust factor um, so that's been the biggest interesting um, difference, I say, between the two um, and explaining that to clients. Um, but it's it, it's a fun space to be in. Yeah, yeah, it definitely sounds like it. I'm always curious about the sports side of things because I'm it's so much in the entertainment side and now in the gaming side. And gaming. sports just seems like this totally other thing kind of similar to the way that tv with when you're in tv and film music i think can mm -hmm. seem so different from yeah. the tv and film side of things so it's it's great to hear you talk about it tell me about becoming a certified nba player agent and that experience for you i, I mean congratulations i think it's thank amazing you, thank you. and it's something that a lot of people i think dream about but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, just like you're saying, it, it had been a goal and a dream of mine for some time. Um, I knew even going into law school that eventually I wanted to dabble on that side um, of, of the agency business within sports, but more so in particular basketball. So um, being able to get that license was definitely an achievement for myself. Uh, the process isn't too crazy, um, but it still is a process. Uh, the NBA Players Association does not play uh, when it comes to <laughs> the people who they are allowing to represent their players. So 
obviously the uh, NBA Players Association is a union um, and they're, you know, focused on protecting their players. So you have to go through um, an initial application, just kind of letting them know all of your qualifications that qualify you to, to be a player mm -hmm. agent. Um, you don't necessarily have to have a JD, uh, which is different from the NFL, where if you want to be an NFL agent, you have to have a JD or an MBA. Um, for the NBA, you just need your bachelor's degree or um, similar to, I guess, what people call the, the Rich Paul rule. You just need to show relevant negotiation experience. So if you worked for a sports agency for a number of years, um, if you've done negotiations for a number of years, if you can find a way to, to showcase that, then that will enable you to get your license as well. So after the initial application, uh, once you get approved there, then you just have to pass the background check. Um, and then after that, then the hard part comes with actually passing the NBA agent test. Um, for that process, you actually have to fly to New York City. Um, this year, due to COVID, I think it's actually online, but in previous years, um, it's two days. The day before, there's an agent training seminar that kind of prepares you for the test. And then the next day, you take the actual test. Um, it's three hours um, to answer 50 questions. And you have to answer, I believe you need 80%, um, um, okay. a little bit more. I think I, I remember I could miss like eight questions. Um, so maybe like 82, 84%, something along those lines. Um, and then afterwards, you're a certified agent. And then you got to pay your dues, um, which they hit you with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the application fee is 1500 to apply. Wow. And then afterwards, because you apply November, October, November, take the test in January, um, get approved by February, and then they go based off of the actual date of the NBA season, which technically begins July 1st and runs through June 30th. So come July 1st, boom, another 1500 <laughs> So wow. most of the time, unless you already have some clients lined up, you're 3k in the hole before you start to get your first client so um but it's been an exciting process yeah it sounds like a really exciting journey and something that i mean i i know a lot of people aspire to that sort of thing but to actually see the mm. process come to fruition and to really do it is dope yeah and no, i appreciate uh, it i appreciate yeah. it yeah and so you played football in college at colgate Mm -hmm. What made you choose the NBA as opposed to the NFL and becoming an agent? Yeah, so that's a good question because <laughs> a lot of people ask, like, well, why wouldn't you do that? I was NFL? curious. <laughs> I I considered the NFL. Um, I definitely did. And I, that was actually my initial goal. And that's actually how I got to law school, really. Um, you know, after college, I was trying to figure out the next mm -hmm. steps. And after taking some time off, I realized that I still wasn't done with sports. Um, I wanted to stay involved in some capacity, um, but I also wanted to make money. Right. And I needed to, I wanted to utilize some of my skills. So I figured I was actually pretty good um, at talking to people, hearing them out, um, and giving advice. So I literally typed that into Google, <laughs> um, helping people in sports, and the sports agent popped up. So... Based off of my football background, I looked into the NFL first, 
and that's how I saw that you either needed your MBA or your JD. Um, at the time, my college roommate senior year, he had just applied and went through the law school process. Um, he actually left me all of his study materials for the LSAT. So I'm like, well, nice. you know, I'm already here. Um, if he can do it, I can do it. So law school it is. So um, I worked for an NFL agency my second year of law school in the fall. Um, athletes first, shout out to, you know, uh, David Mulligetta doing his thing over there. That's dope. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with Athletes First, actually. One of the agencies that I have heard of. <laughs> yeah, hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they're doing an amazing thing um, nowadays. It's, it's them and CAA up there um, as some of the top NFL agencies. Um, and I think this past year they had maybe like six to eight first-round draft picks. They're doing really well, so I'm a proud alumni. Um, but working there, it, it was a great experience. Um, I learned a lot about the game, uh, a lot about the, the industry, um, and a lot of what it takes to kind of break into the field. But the biggest thing that I saw with a lot of those agents were their passion, uh, not just for the game, but for the football world in general and the politics behind it. And that's what made them so successful was they weren't just sitting there um doing it for the sake of money or doing it for the sake of oh this is cool they did because they actually enjoyed themselves right. um and they enjoyed right. that world so for me i had to be honest with myself and trying to figure out whether i wanted to continue pursuing an nfl agent route or going back to the nba and then i just remembered that i've always loved basketball um it's always been my first love in terms of sports i played in high school as well um, but football was going to pay for school, <laughs> so I went with the football route. But I saw this was an opportunity um, to finally go back to my true passion um, with the two sports. And I realized that I could always go back, you know, building the relationships I had at Athletes First. I'm so cool with those guys down there. Um, I knew I, if the opportunity presented itself, I could always go back. So I said, I might as well try basketball. Um, and I subsequently ended up working for the Clippers and that just kind of further solidified that basketball is what I, where I wanted to start off. Um, and maybe end up getting, uh, an NFL license as well. Um, but ultimately that's, that's the route I decided to take. That's great. What is it like for you having been an athlete and now being on the other side of the coin, being a representative? What, what's that experience like now? Man, it's um, it's definitely two different worlds. Um, I don't think I realized really the disparity between the two sides um, in terms of being the talent or the, the athlete versus representing them. Um, but I guess the short answer is it, I feel very fulfilled. Um, being an athlete and knowing how hard I worked knowing the hours of training, um, the work I put into my body, um, the, the sacrifices that you make uh, on the field and everything that you give to the game, you appreciate those who you can truly depend on to look out for your best interest. Um, some of those people obviously are your coaches and your training staff, but the other people are your business, are on the business side, um, your manager, um, your agent, your financial right. advisor. So being able to, one, knowing how much you have to trust those people and rely on those people to 
take care of the things that you just don't have time for mm-hmm. um, because you are dedicating so much of your energy to excelling at your job. It's nice to be on the other side and knowing that I'm being able to offer those people, uh, those guys, that type of loyalty um, and that type of service. Um, it, it's interesting being on the side because not everyone shares that same viewpoint um, because it's, at the end of the day, it's still a job. Um, and more importantly, it's business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you've heard the saying before, you don't take business personal. Right. So um, I do because I realize what I'm able to give these these players, what I'm able to give their families in terms of that peace of mind that I'm not just some, you know, money-hungry agent exactly. who's just here just for the money. Um, I'm here to really help and provide them a service. And, you know, my ultimate goal is to build them a brand uh, because being a retired athlete, um, I understand that transition. You know, I understand how it is where you're not sure what's next when something has been part of your life for so long and that's all you've been known for, let alone all you really know how to do. You know, some guys obviously, they have their degrees and stuff, but you know, the sport was their passion. It's hard to transition back to just regular day society and and a regular life. So being able to be a guy who can help make that transition and help bring them opportunities so that hopefully, ultimately, they don't have to make that type of transition. Um, You know, currently you have a lot of guys in the league um, who, you know, they play their playing careers and then once they're done in their 30s um, to early 40s, you know, they're sitting there having to go back and work a regular nine to five and it's hard to transition back into society. Um, My goal um, and what I've learned from my agency is to, while they have their platform, while they're still playing, while they still have the large income that they're bringing in, investing and then more importantly, building a brand, something that they can sit on, something that's going to last them longer than their playing careers and something that'll help create a legacy so that once they are done playing, they already know what the next move is. You know, two, three years before they're done playing, they already know the next move, whether it's going into broadcasting or going into coaching or focusing on an investment that they had already started working on. Um, That's the goal is to really help them create real wealth Um, because most of those guys are rich but there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy Mm. Um, so helping them to become wealthy being able to be a part of that process has been fulfilling for me so um, I miss the sport Um, I miss playing football I miss playing basketball in high school Um, but I'm glad to be a part of something that can help these guys build something for themselves and their families as well as help them to lead other guys to be able to do the same. Yeah. And I think that longevity is so important and having someone to help them look toward that um, and really be in their interests early on is crucial. Yep. And I, I would think, oh, yeah. like you said, as a, as a retired athlete, you have that empathy toward them, their families, their goals, building a brand. Um, and it really brings a fresh perspective to the representation. So, yeah. Yeah, we're trying. You know, we're trying. I'm trying to keep up with you over there. You know? <laughs> and, and I get it because what you were saying about um, being the person that can help them and assist them with things when they're focused on, you know, what's important for their career. 
is crucial handling the business side of things because when I've represented oh, yeah. talent, I have seen firsthand how busy they are and clients are preoccupied with what is most important to them, the creative process and, and, and fulfilling their dreams. And so you're adding to the team of reps and helping them on the business side and the legal side to keep things tied up and buttoned up so they can do what they do best. So I definitely understand that. Um, I want to talk now about the concept of Landed in LA, the show here, talking about Landed in LA, literally and figuratively, establishing yep. yourself <laughs> in this Hollywood world, um, yeah. which has expanded so much now. I know that you mentioned before you're from Florida. You went to school up in New York. Uh, well, you grew up in Florida, but you went to school up in New York. How did you make your way to LA? Yeah, um, it's a good, it's a good, good question. So after New York, um, you know, I described a little earlier about the decision to um, go to law school and the purpose behind it. But during my research, I realized that wherever you end up practicing, for the most part, you know, because I know you know you you are in Pennsylvania, um, but where you end up practicing is the same area that you went to law school. So I realized, okay, sports and entertainment is mainly um, New York and California, more so LA. And I had a decision to make <laughs> when applying to law school. And honestly, I was a little tired of the cold. <laughs> so uh, California, here I come. So uh, at that point, that's when I just started, you know, looking for different law schools that I could attend. And obviously, California is full of them uh, within entertainment um, across the board in, you know, depending on what type you want to do, whether it's entertainment itself or sports. Um, you know, you got your UCLA's and USC's, obviously. Um, you can't go wrong with Loyola Pepperdine, um, Loyola's alma mater. Can't go wrong with a, a Southwestern. Um, these schools are just kind of known for entertainment. Um, so, you know, I ended up there uh, mainly for that fact. It was just I knew that one, I was tired of the cold, but in two, I wanted to go to you know the the cream of the crop. I wanted to go to the place where I knew. Not only was I going to get that education, but I would be in that environment. Um, throughout law school, I went to plenty of conferences um, and meetings and bar association meetings um, geared towards Hollywood. Um, and I met plenty of entertainment lawyers who, you know, I was fortunate enough to have coffee and lunch with and really get have the ability to be ingrained in um, the culture to see if I knew what I was getting myself <laughs> into. Um, and if I actually really wanted to pursue that. So, uh, yeah, that's how I ended up there. And when you came to L.A. for law school, was that your first trip to L.A.? When was your first trip to L.A.? My first trip, that was actually my first trip to L.A., I will say that. I had been to California okay. before, um, mainly Orange County and San Diego. Uh, one of my homies lives in San Diego. Um and I had an ex-girlfriend who uh, lives on the outside of L.A. So I had visited before. Okay. So, yeah, so I knew I love the weather. You um, can't beat it. <laughs> that was something I, different. You, can, you yeah. can, I can't beat it. I am so happy to not be shoveling snow anymore. 
<laughs> oh man, oh man, and just like the humidity of Florida, I didn't realize how bad it was until I got to LA. Yeah, because then I was like, oh wow, I, I remember. It's so dry. Oh here. man, um, yeah, it's 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 beautiful, you know, and it's for the most part year round. You know, mm-hmm. the winter gets a little chilly, um, but I'll take it compared to like you're saying, shoveling snow. Yeah, is there? A first memory that you have of coming to LA, I remember, I always tell people, well, I I came to LA a few times when I was a kid with family and things, Um, but when I really kind of came to LA and started learning more about LA and some of the things that are just there to experience in the city, uh, city. In and Out was, of course, one of my first staples. (laughs) So that's what I always tell people in there. Um, And there are a lot of debates about In and Out. Um, No, I've heard. I've heard it. It's funny that you mentioned In and Out because that's the story I was going to tell. Was I remember coming out and hearing all the hype about In and Out, In and Out. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. And then I know you got to get it animal style. Like animal style, what is that? Um, And I, I think. At the time, I was still pretty fresh, you know, still have my young college body. So I think I got like a three by three or a four by four, one of the two, um, and just demolished it with some animal fries. Oh, man, it was once I had that, I, I knew I was like, wow, OK, if this is the food. Um, yeah, I, I could stick around. I could stick. Yeah, around. yeah. I know. I like In-N-Out, too. It kind of had to grow on me at first, but um, now I'm a big fan of In-N-Out. And I'm like, okay, I'm here for this. In and out. Yeah. And uh, being out here was, it was the first time that I had done Korean barbecue. That was a blast. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I had never done it before. And I I, I didn't understand the concept of cooking my own food and paying for it. I just just really didn't get it until I did it. And I was like, okay, okay. You Anybody know, who I to, <laughs> where I'm from back home in Maryland, my family's like, so you're paying to cook your own food. Yeah. And it's true. It's just the idea just doesn't make sense. But then you experience it and it says, OK, now I get this. I get this. And if, if you have the right group of people, it's a blast. Um, you can't sleep on those sake shots. They sneak up on you. Um <laughs> Yeah, and and then I'll say like the, the last one, I in in Florida at the time, brunch wasn't like a really big concept. Mm-hmm. It was something that you did, and it literally was just breakfast and lunch mixed, nothing more. Um, so when I first got out here, I had multiple people saying, "Oh, this brunch, this brunch, this brunch." I'm like, "I'm not really into that. It's you know, let's go to lunch maybe, or let's just do drinks." And then I finally got convinced to go to brunch. And my mind was blown. <laughs> that, to see bottomless mimosa, I just didn't understand it. And then, boom, it just hit me. It was in. It was a great experience. I had a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, those are probably like the three biggest staples uh, as far as being introduced to this LA lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Korean barbecue brunch and in and out. I had another guest on the show also talk about Korean barbecue, so you're definitely not okay. alone in that. Um, brunch, I love as well. It's wonderful and so much fun. And I feel like in law school, people kind of started talking about brunch. 
But yeah, it wasn't until I got back out here to LA that it seemed like every weekend, all the time, everyone's like, brunch, brunch, oh, brunch, 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 brunch. Yeah. It's like, brunch is more important than the club. Like, okay. Yeah, I'm telling you, it was, <laughs> it was random. I was just like, okay, I guess I could get with this. Because then you have the rest of your day to yourself still. Maybe you rally, yeah, maybe true. you don't. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Yeah. What have been some of the challenges during your time in L.A.? Ah, oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I, I think it's just adapting. Um, L.A., you know, I'll say it, it's similar to New York in terms of it's a big city vibe. And it's not for the week. Yeah. It's not for yeah. the week. Um, you really have to be ready for it. And, and what I mean by that is it's a big city and it's fast moving. Mm -hmm. And it, if you want to be here, you can be here and you can have a lot of success, but you just have to be ready to adapt to, you know, everything that it comes with in terms of the networking, um, in terms of hard work, in terms of uh, the showing up even when you're tired and when you're sick and you're hungry. Um, everybody wants to be out here, you know, so because it's a place that's high in demand, it's easy to replace you because if you aren't willing to do it, somebody else is, you know, if right. you don't want it, someone else will. Um, and if you take it for granted, you know, growing up in a smaller city like Orlando, you know, there's opportunities, but if you want to stay in the same place and do just enough not to get fired, you'll be okay. <laughs> but in LA, it doesn't work that way. If you do just enough to get fired, not to get fired, you'll find a way to get fired. Um, because there's someone willing to do more than enough just to stay. Um, so that was just a, a different mindset that I had to adopt. Um, other than that, the weather was easy to, to adapt to. Um, maybe the hours, um, I, I'm used to working mm -hmm. hard. I'm used to working hard. Um, being a college athlete, you have to find a way to dabble. Uh, and I, I, Colgate was different than like a traditional D one, one, uh, like you, uh, like a Alabama, a, a Florida where we really, really, we had to do our, yeah, I, I don't know how to say it without making it sound weird, <laughs> but, uh, there was an expectation that you were a real student athlete, um, student first. Um, so having to balance that, you know, I got used to having a pretty good work ethic. Um, but in LA, it's okay. You have your studies, focus on your studies, but then you also have to find time to network. Um, but then you're also networking, not only with, uh, the people who are already in the industry, but you still have to network with your colleagues because one day you guys together will be running the industry. So um, just adapting to that type of lifestyle, being always on the move, always on the go, um, sacrificing the little things. Um, it was just a different kind of grind, a different environment um, that I was used to, but I was grateful for it uh, just because that type of work ethic and that style of work ethic, if you will, Anytime I've gone elsewhere, um, even if it's just a short amount of time, I, I see the difference. Mm. You know, I see the difference in my thinking and my mindset. Um, L.A. is also a place where there are no excuses. You just have to find a way to get it done. Mm. Um, so not every problem has an obvious solution. And if it doesn't have an obvious solution, you have to come up with a creative one. Uh, 
Um, that skill set has, you know, helped me out tremendously anywhere else I've gone. Um, yeah, I'd say those are probably like the biggest challenges. That's that's really well said. I think your point about problems not having an obvious solution that couldn't be more true in LA. I mean, people find ways every day to survive and make money and get gigs and oh, yeah. work. And, oh, it's expensive yeah, too. That's another. It's thing. <laughs> crazy expensive. Um, and I think it seems like what you're getting at is that so much of what you do is really a 24 seven job. Like you're, you're always having to think about the next step, whether it is networking or closing a deal or, you know, finding ways to be creative in deals with clients. Um, I think that's so important because when you get too comfortable, especially in a place like LA, there, there are so many people who are competing and wanting and wishing and dreaming to be in different positions and they're willing to do whatever. Um, so it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because I, I relate to that as well. I think it's important to just stay on top of things and work hard. I mean, you can't beat that work ethic. Um, yeah, you can't. Yeah. And I think a lot of people see LA as la la land, but there are a lot of hardworking people. Oh yeah. <laughs> out here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I've definitely heard. You know, a lot of people reference LA as you know a place of finesse, and there is finesse. Don't get me wrong. You know, if you can finesse your way through things, you can get you can get places, but you have to have work ethic to get to the top, mm -hmm. um, to wherever you want to go. Uh, finesse is not enough. Yeah. What do you think are some of the ways that we as millennials are challenged in the entertainment industry? I think it's just the, the type of thinking. Um, the entertainment industry is, is an interesting one because it kind of popped out of nowhere. Um, most other industries within the legal fields, uh, whether it's corporate or medical, um, you know, even just civil and criminal, obviously, have been here for such a long time that there are real established norms. Entertainment, you know, really only started getting more popular, I'd say, like, 70s, 80s. Um, so a lot of the leaders of the industry, they worked hard to get to where they're at, but they created the industry. So there was less competition, if you will. Um, so they created an industry and then they established the rules of the industry. So coming in as millennials, we just have a different mindset than our predecessors in terms of now we're trying to break into the industry and it's just a different time period. Some of the things that I've heard, you know, mentors of mine mention to, to millennials of, oh, you just got to deal with it. It's, um, it doesn't necessarily apply. Um, to the the standards and the norms of society. So as a millennial, it's challenging to adopt your mindset to the entertainment industry when everything else in society is so much different. Everywhere else in society, you really can kind of break in based off of merit. Obviously, you can break in based off of your network, your connections, and the people that you know. Um, but you can work really hard in those other industries, and you can eventually get to where you want to be. Entertainment's not necessarily like that. Um, you could work really hard and still not end up where you mm -hmm. want to be. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it's mainly just because it is one of those old school industries where it's so much more relationship based so much more relationship based um you can make it without relationships but eventually you're gonna have to adopt and adapt and gain some relationships and i think for millennials it's hard to kind of accept that um and two it's hard to be willing to adopt that mentality um i guess i can start there and in some ways as millennials our basic form of communication is so different from other generations and i think that affects our views on business relationships and all relationships in general but um the way that business relationships were typically formed meeting in person talking on the phone yep. you know going yep. you know, for a lunch. lot of free work well, yeah and I think a lot of us as millennials just are not used to that or are used to a different type of communication, um, written communication, you know, all of that. It's so different. And uh, your point just made me think about that. It's interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. And just to go off of your point, too, about the, the communication style, I would agree where I've noticed, you know, seeing some of my older colleagues, the game is just different, where within entertainment, so much of it is, I went through this, so you should go through this yep. too, mm -hmm. where yep. I was berated, I was yelled at, mm -hmm. I worked for free, um, I wasn't paid, and I figured it out, so you should go through the same thing. And millennials, we're just not willing to accept that. Um, because one, right. is just not right. <laughs> but then two, yeah. it's... We're living in a different time yeah. where, you know, maybe back then you can afford to not get paid and work for free a whole bunch of nights. Nowadays, you really can't because now we're talking about not being able to pay rent. Right. Now we're right. talking about not being able to eat. We're not talking about having the basic needs that you're entitled to. And you shouldn't have to sacrifice those things just to make it into an industry. Mm -hmm. um, I will say as of late, I've started to I've started to see a shift, where at least on the agency side, agencies are starting to recognize that and they're doing things to help out. Um, I know, you know, I can speak to Endeavor specifically. Uh, I mean, most most agencies as well. You know, we've raised the minimum wage um, for our assistants. Um, we've um, guaranteed more overtime hours. Uh, there's definitely times before at other agencies that or you know I, I won't speak you know I've, I've seen and I've heard that people were working you know doing things that might not be you know you know what I'm trying to get at so um, in terms of hours um, just doing a lot of yeah <laughs> just doing a lot of things where that's just the expectation of industry. Like, hey, you work for free and you you get promoted when I decide to promote you. Um, and you deal with all of this, of a, you know, verbal abuse that I'm giving you. It's just, I went through it, so you're going through it as well. I think that millennials, we have kind of established that we're not willing to deal with that. Yep. Um, yep. And have shown that we don't, we shouldn't have to deal with that. And just because you have shown that you have a willingness and ability to deal with it doesn't mean that you are good for the job. Right. Um, right. And the same vice versa, that just because I 
show you that I don't want to deal with that. I value myself enough where I don't want to be berated and stuff. Doesn't mean that I can't do the job um, at the same rate, if not better. So I think those are some of the biggest challenges. And I do feel like the industry is, is heading towards a shift where they themselves are starting to recognize some of the older heads at the top who really kind of have held on to that style um, are slowly retiring or dying off. Um, and some of the more progressive minds are kind of slowly starting to take over who realize that the things that they went through aren't necessarily right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also adopting more of the, the recent style. Um, so I do think there's hope. Um, but I, I'd say for any millennial attempting to break into the industry, those are some hard truths of things that you have to consider that you might end up going through. That's really candid, and I agree. I think there's a shift happening where a lot of people are recognizing and acknowledging that type of treatment is just not right. And it doesn't hurt that there's the impact of social media now where people can share what's going on with millions of people immediately. Um, that helps. That definitely helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's like people every day are... Um, Having to be more accountable. <laughs> accountable because of this information age that we're in and all of the communication. Yeah. All of the communication. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to go viral for the wrong Exposed. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's... I appreciate you being candid. That's that's so real, and um, I look forward to the shift in the industry. I think yeah. it is happening slowly but surely. Um, oh, yeah. And how have you dealt with things in the pandemic? I mean, it's been so unpredictable, but um, how, what have you learned during this time? Wow, uh, I've learned. A lot. <laughs> uh, the pandemic, you know, I'm, I'll be honest. It's it's been trying times. Um, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a very confident person, uh, very confident in my abilities, very confident in, in the quality of my work, um, and my ability to stay resilient during tough times. But this pandemic definitely started to get to me. Um, you know, initially, I'm sure everyone thought it was great. Hey, we get to work from home. A <laughs> uh, couple weeks off, don't have to come into the office. Um, but then it starts to wear on you um, mentally, um, mostly physically. Um, being, at least in California, especially when the lockdown hit and we really were kind of confined to our homes. Um, and everything started to shut down. And then the monotony of your daily activities um, it, it was a, a challenge mentally to kind of push through. Um, and then the o- other obvious things um, within entertainment, it really hurt us because so much of entertainment is live events. Right. So with everything being shut down, live events stopped, meaning the agency stopped making money. Uh, production slowed down initially, you know, now starting to pick back up again where more TV shows and films are being made. Um, obviously, we discussed that things went more digital, so those things continued on. And, and once we had an idea of, okay, mass, social distance, put some protocols in place, things improved. But in the beginning, it was scary for the entertainment industry. Um, a lot of agencies laid off a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Um, some of my colleagues, you know, good close friends of mine got laid off, lost their jobs. 
Um, and it was always that question of, am I next? Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to keep my job uh, and also gain some responsibilities <laughs> because of the whole all hands on deck uh, mentality. But what that taught me was that I was more capable than I gave myself credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a transition, I'll say, for any young professional that in the beginning years of our careers, you know, we're confident and, you know, we, we want the best for ourselves and we want to do a good job for our company. But I think there's always a, a bit of, I don't want to say unease, but a bit of, um, hey, you know, I, I got to get there in, in my own time mm-hmm. um, versus when a pandemic came, you know, I got thrust into a position that I wasn't sure if I was ready for. Uh, and it was a position that I knew I would get there eventually. I thought maybe a year or two from now I would be at that point. But I got thrust there sooner than I was ready in my mind. Um, but my bosses believed in me. Uh, the company believed in me. And ultimately, by the end of things, you know, I definitely believed in myself that I was more than capable um, of achieving excellence at the highest levels, even in the things that I wasn't necessarily comfortable for yet. Um, and that's so much of, you know, your, your ability comes from just being confident in yourself and confident in the people around you and the people who put you in those positions, knowing that one, they're not risking their job for you just because they like you. Right, exactly. <laughs> they're right. they're exactly. only going to give you work and, and do things and put you in a position if it benefits them as right. well. Like as much as, right. you know, they like you, <laughs> they have a job to do and the company has to do well. So if they're putting you in a position, it's because they know that you can do the job. Um, so, you know, gaining that confidence, you know, was invaluable. Um, gaining that experience was invaluable. I'm way more qualified now as an attorney just because I've had to just pick up so many new skills so quickly um, and just be able to just go on the fly with things. Um, So, you know, it it was an up and down pandemic for sure. Um, You know, we didn't even get to mention really what happened with social justice, you know, issues and having to deal with that. That was a challenge on top of everything. You know, especially, you know, as a black man, I really was conflicted at a point where I was, I wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing. You know, here I am at work and then I work, you know, the entertainment industry, when it comes to color, it's, it's not, you know, it's obvious, you know, minorities are very far and few between and it's an industry that has been predominantly male, white, heterosexual for such a long time. Um, and it's and it slowly changed here and there. We've had more women, um, more representation within the LGBTQ plus community and minorities sprouting here and there, but overwhelmingly still uh, male and white. So I mean, when the social justice issues kind of hit and I'm here as a black man working for people who don't necessarily Less that they don't identify with me, but more so don't realize what I'm going through. Right, right, um, right. 
it was hard. Um, and I really did debate whether, you know, should I take the day off? Should, should I be out in the streets protesting? Um, should I rebel and, and myself? Of how does that reflect on me? Exactly. What do I, how do I be mindful about my choices? Mm-hmm. It, everything, you know, and it, it really, you know, it, it was it was tough. And then realizing that I didn't have very many colleagues that I could go to to ask, hey, what's your opinion on this? Because they just weren't going through the same thing. Um, luckily, um, you know, we have some great senior leadership um, with some uh, great people of color who, you know, were able to kind of speak for some of our us more junior um, execs and, and, and assistants and coordinators, and the company responded uh, beautifully. I'll say, That's great. yeah, where you know they apologized for uh, the delay in a response, and were honest about they didn't know what to do either. Um, it was something where it's a sensitive topic where it's like, well, do I reach out to my friends of color and apologize? What do I say? Do I ask them? How can I help? It, so they were conflicted themselves. So all they knew was just to move forward as if nothing happened. Um, but ultimately we got a response out um, and the initiative started. And, um, you know, the Michael B. Jordan initiative with Hollywood, you know, we were a big part of that. My agency, I'm proud to, to be able to say that where we've taken that initiative to work with uh, HBCUs to bring more opportunities to minority communities to embrace Hollywood, to learn about Hollywood, to intern in Hollywood and work in Hollywood in general. Um, we had a lot of internal conversations. Um, we had a lot of discussions. We regained some holidays um, and ultimately it made my job a little bit easier, but that was part of the, the difficult time. Um, so at the end, I, I, the pandemic taught me that I'm a survivor, that I could thrive, um, that, you know, that, uh, I'm here for a reason and I belong and I should have always known that, but it just kind of helped stamp that for me. Um, and that I can and I will thrive in this community. And the only limitations that I have on that are myself. That's what I ultimately right. learned from this pandemic. Right. Yeah. You said so much there. That was great. Um, and I... I know. I feel bad. That's a lot for you to unpack. No, and I agree <laughs> with you about when you're held to the fires, when you see how well you can really do. And it is more than you initially thought. You know, you come into something being confident, but you always think, okay, you know, I have more to learn and more experience to gain. But then when the pressure is really on, and like you said, your boss has kind of put you in that position and you go and you're there and you're doing it, that's when you see how capable you really are. Yeah, um, exactly. And you are. Exactly. And, so, and I think it's great when we all have that moment. Um, it's so important. And, and like what you said about everything that has gone on this year with social justice and Black Lives Matter, it is a crazy experience as a young, for me as a young Black woman in the entertainment industry, I recognize that most of the people in the industry probably don't relate to my experiences. But 
that's not something that I can turn on and off my awareness of it because that's our life, you know? <laughs> it's like we can't yeah. choose whether to be aware of it or invested in it. We we are. It's your existence. That's who we are. That's exactly. what we experience every day. So it's how we deal with it and how we respond and how we look to better the world um, based on these experiences. So I appreciate you being so candid because that's real. And, and I appreciate you uh, giving me the platform. Yeah, yeah. And I wanna, I wanna give you a moment also if you have a highlight about your time in LA or a fun story. I don't know if you have any crazy, um, oh man, sunset <laughs> stories or solo house stories or anything like that. But I would love to hear a fun story. And then um, please let us know where we can follow you on social. So that people can keep up with you. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Um find me on social media. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at jpoo 22 That's J M as in Mary, P is in Paul, U is an umbrella, T is in Tom, U is an umbrella, and then number two. Um, same name on Twitter. I'm not as active on Twitter, more active on Instagram. Um, and if you want to reach out more like to respond via Instagram. Um, I'm not on Facebook as much. And then definitely LinkedIn. LinkedIn is definitely a, a surefire way uh, to get in touch with me. I'm constantly checking that. Um, it might take me some time to get back to you, but I will eventually. Um, I owe some people responses right now. So if they're hearing me, hey, I will get back <laughs> to you. I promise it's still coming. <laughs> Um, and as far as LA story, I'm trying to think of a good story. Uh, man, let's, let's see a funny story. <laughs> Something that's not going to expose myself, but a good laugh, you a know, good clean laugh. a good clean laugh. Okay. So I'll say I was still very new to the LA scene. It's kind of like a pseudo celebrity okay. story. Great. Love it. Okay. A lot of good celebrity <laughs> running. Yeah, so I, I was still, and I hadn't run into any real celebrities yet. So my friends back home are reaching out to me, hey man, you're in LA now. Like, have you seen any celebrities? Stuff like, ah, honestly, I haven't. You know, it's uh, they're they're around, but I haven't run into anyone. So we were my law school at the time. It was towards the end of the semester of my second year, and. We had a bar review um, for non-lawyers. Bar review is essentially just, hey, we're just going to go hang out at this bar. We're going to rent it out. And this is our, our downtime for a, a stressful few, last few weeks. Um, so this one in particular was uh, for the end of the semester. We had just finished finals. So it was at La Jardin. La Jardin. La Jardin. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been there before. And I might even be pronouncing the name wrong. Uh, it's French too, and I speak French, but anyway, so yeah, I, think I think it's Le Hardin. Le Hardin, okay, know. yeah. Like like <laughs> um, so I'm sitting there, and me and my buddies just took a few shots, so I'm feeling good. The semester's over, everything is running smooth. And uh, a buddy of mine, uh, we went to the dance floor, um, and then he went back to the bar. So I was hanging around the dance floor, and then I had to go to the restroom. 
So on the way to the restroom, I ran into who you know a woman who I thought was just absolutely beautiful, and I'm like, you know, at the time I was still single, so I'm, like, I'm single. Um, here's this beautiful woman. Um, it's time for your shot. Exactly. Um, let me say something. I'm in Hollywood. Um, I got nothing to lose. I'm having a great time. This isn't something I get to do every day. And I'm having a conversation with the woman. And it was nothing crazy. You know, I just tapped on the shoulder. Hey, how are you? Um, and she's like, oh, hey, how are you? And then we're just having a conversation. Uh, and I'm just real confident. You know, the, the liquid courage is just it's speaking volumes. Um, and things are going really well. And we're having a great conversation. And mid-conversation, I realize that I'm talking to Tessa Thompson. And, oh <laughs> and it just dawned on me that I was just like, oh, she looks so familiar. <laughs> and I'm just having this conversation. She and she's smiling the whole time. Because it, it's clear to her that I had no idea who she was at the hilarious. time. And this was, yeah. Um, but once I realized it, um, I called it out and I called myself out. I was like, oh, by the way, I do know who you are. I just don't really care. <laughs> and then she had a huge smile on her face. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That was, it was a smart thing to say. Um, but like any other young man, you know, eventually I shot myself in the foot and then, uh, I lost track of the conversation. Um, and then eventually she said, okay, it was nice talking to you. Um, but I'm going to go now, but for a solid five minutes or so, you know, I had her attention and we had a solid conversation. It was, it was a good time. So, um, that was the first time I had met a celebrity in person. Um, and in an environment that was just real relaxed, no one was, it wasn't even a thing where people were like gawking over her. She was hanging out with her group of friends. Um, everyone out there was really chill. But that was like my first experience with it, um, so I still get a laugh at it because it was right before Creed. It was, I was after. Say, she's like, "Bye, I'm going to go shoot Creed." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, I got Michael B waiting for me. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that, that was that was a that was my fun little LA story. I like to tell people about the first time I met a celebrity. That's dope. That's that's a lot of fun. I love a good celebrity run-in story, and I really like Tessa Thompson. She always plays really strong roles and she does she does she's an amazing yeah, actress she, she really is um so that's great that is awesome thank you jonathan and my very last question before we go what advice do you offer to anyone just short advice to anyone looking to enter the entertainment industry either as an attorney um or as an agent or in any other form yeah, my, my advice is to just go for it. Um, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned I'm in the process now uh, of finishing a course that I've developed to kind of help people break into the industry. Um, oh, wow. you know, I've been in entertainment and sports specifically about seven years now, so run into a lot of different scenarios and expectations. Um, but the biggest thing is, you know, right before law school, I was selling cell phones. So... I had nothing to lose by attempting to come out here. I didn't know anybody. Um, I didn't have any connections. Uh, barely had a family in California. And I just went for it. And if you're willing to go through it, the ups, the downs, if you want it bad enough, you can make it in this industry. 
but you just have to make that mind. You have to just make up that decision for yourself. And if you want it, you can get there. It's going to be work. Um, you know, you're going to have to network for sure. You're going to have to put yourself out there. You're going to have to break out of your comfort zone. Um, you're going to have to talk to people, uh, reach out to random people, cold call, because it is an industry. It's a, it's a relationship um, business. And if you don't have relationships, it's hard to break in. So you're going to have to develop those relationships. But if you are willing to work hard and put in that hard work, people recognize it. And, and people are willing to work with you. Um, but you gotta, you can't be afraid to go for it. You can't be afraid to put yourself out there um, and just chase it. And I, I, you know, to, you know, we're talking about LA. So to, to quote the great Nipsey Hussle, I said, it's worth it. I won't say it's fair. Um, it's not always going to be fair, but it's definitely worth it. So yeah, if you're willing to, to go through it, you know, you'll, you'll thank yourself one day. Stated by a true trailblazer himself. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. That means a lot comes from you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, this was great. And be sure to follow Jonathan on social media. I'll have it posted in our description there. And this was great. Um, enjoy the holidays. And we'll talk soon. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Be safe. Thanks once again, guys, for joining me for another episode of Landed in L.A. This was so much fun. I had such a great conversation with Jonathan. And if you want to follow us on social or email me with any questions or funny stories that you want to share, send me your funny Hollywood stories because I want to hear about them. <laughs> email me at landedinlapod at gmail.com. That's landedinlapod at gmail.com. And for all social, you can follow us at at landedinlapod. And you can catch updates on what we're up to, our next shows, our episodes, all kinds of stuff. So once again, thanks for joining us. And I will talk to you guys next time.